0: Well, good morning, Spring Whale. How's everybody? Come on, let's try that again. How's everybody doing? Come on, stand up with us. Let's worship this morning. Let's sing Joy to the World. Joy to the World, the Oh wake and rise oh Jesus our savior you are Jacob, oh hallelujah, you have done great things.
1: Good morning. How you feeling? It's a great day. It's not snowing today. It's a little bit warmer outside today. It's awesome. Uh, We are excited. I don't know if you can tell that or not, but uh, today's just an exciting day. We have a lot in store for us this morning that we're really excited about. So if you can right now, go ahead and be seated for just a moment. So Christmas Eve is just right around the corner. It's, it's almost there. Has anybody, uh, does anybody have any Christmas shopping left to do before Christmas? Okay. All right. Does anybody already have all your Christmas shopping done? Look at you. Look at you. That's awesome. So Christmas Eve, we have two services, uh, Christmas Eve day. Those are one and three o'clock in the afternoon. They're going to be great services. We're really excited about it. We are also having services next Sunday, December the 23rd. Those are as normal, nine and 11 o'clock. You should know that the services are different. Christmas Eve day is a different service than next Sunday. Uh, So if you come on Sunday, uh, or if you just come Christmas Eve, you know, we we did something different on Sunday before. So come out for both of those. Um, We'd love to have you with us for for both. Um, To give you a preview of what we're gonna be talking about for Christmas Eve, let's check out this video.
2: We all have one, that unexpected story, that story that you would sit down and tell someone about how you got to where you are today that they would never guess. Maybe our path took us through some hard times. Maybe it's been full of joy and excitement. Maybe you started off aimed 180 degrees from where you are today. This Christmas Eve at Springwell, we'll go on a journey together through the unexpected stories behind some of our favorite Christmas songs and discover the unexpected person who made it all worthwhile, the author and perfecter of our faith, the bringer of our peace, Jesus. Join us this Christmas Eve at Springwell Church in Taylor, South Carolina at 1 o'clock or 3 o'clock p.m. For more information, visit us online at springwell.org slash Christmas Eve.
3: Hey, hey moon, it's funny how time just flies. Yesterday, we were just kids, hanging in the sky, staying up all night. Hey, hey moon, do you ever get a tear in your eye? When you think about the time that God came down I couldn't help myself, I had to shine so bright And I remember that newborn baby And the wise men that traveled so far When I knew I was made for a reason I feel like the luckiest star Hey moon Hey, hey moon It's funny how things have changed I wish that they could see the things we've seen before the colored lights in the Christmas tree. Hey, hey moon, so many are still searching for signs. God is stirring in their hearts. They will lift their wondering eyes and see us shine. And they'll remember that newborn baby And the wise men that traveled so far I Know they were made for a reason mm, I feel like the luckiest star Hey, moon traveled so far I know I was made for a reason I feel like the luckiest star hey
2: Celebrate this time of year is uh, that newborn baby and what he meant for us who are in this room. Those of us who uh, have a relationship with him and even those of us in this room who don't. The whole point of this season is uh, to remember the baby who came and grew into a man who would pay for our mistakes. Unbelievable story. The thing about Christmas is that uh, for a lot of us in this room, I've heard your stories already and your story of Christmas is not happy. The story of Christmas this year is of struggle. It's of uh, grief. It's of longing to be home. It's of trying to keep up with everybody else. And have the perfect little Christmas for your family. This morning, I want to take the pressure off and let you know that uh, Jesus said just to come to him, he will take care of you. This week, I was thinking about uh, how so much of our lives are spent trying to keep up with other people and have a perfect Christmas morning. Luke chapter 21, there's some people in a church much like this, they're in the temple. It says, he looked up and he saw the rich dropping their offerings into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow dropping in two tiny coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For all these people have put in gifts. Listen to this. They've put in gifts out of their surplus. But she, out of her poverty, has put in all she had to live on. I want you to know this morning that uh, giving this season is not about what you give. It's about the heart that you give it with. So far, the people in this room have given over $7,698 to people in this community through 25 days of Christmas cheer, yeah. On top of that, this week, I figured it up yesterday, we gave out over $5,000 this week on top of 25 days of Christmas cheer. And here's how we do that. It's not because we have a bank account with large sums of money in it. It's because you gave your 20 last week, and you gave your 10, and you gave your 50, and it all comes together. The reason I wanted to share that scripture with you this morning it's because so many times we get caught up in how much we give and how big it looks and we don't have a lot of money. Listen, give your two coins. Give your two coins. And watch God change lives with it. If it happened then, it still happens today. It's not how much. It's how you give it. In order to keep Springwell going, it requires our regular giving. And so thank you for doing that. But also over the next week, we're going to continue to go out into the community and do random acts of service for people. And that's called 25 Days of Christmas Cheer. And you can give to that offering several ways. You can give online at springwell.org. You can give on the kiosk in the lobby. Just make sure you touch that Christmas button so we'll know where it goes. And there's even these envelopes uh, that you'll find uh, at the entrances into the auditorium. Grab one of those, put your offering in there, and we'll make sure that these offerings go to help people in this community, help us spread a little Christmas cheer. And then any other offering that you put in the bucket or give online, or even if you text uh, to the number that's gonna be on the screen, that offering will continue the ministry of Springwell this week. Thanks for giving. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for the men and women in this room who give their two coins. They give it week after week after week. It's Not that you expect us to give out of our surplus. That's easy. If we give our extra, there's nothing to that. It's when we give all we have. That's when we prove that we trust you. Help us to do it today in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're on the left of the row, you can pass the bucket to your right.
4: Let's give another hand for our Springwell kids. Didn't they do great? They've been working so hard on this for like two months. It's been so good to see them them practice. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Let's stand and sing together.
5: Good morning. Well, it's funny what a how the difference that a week can make, isn't it? Last week it was snowing 30 degrees. Looked like we'd never see another warm day today. Sunshine in 60. And all the Harley people said. Amen. Those of you that don't ride don't understand, I guess. Uh, So, if this is your uh, first Sunday, uh, we're in our Christmas series uh, called Vintage Christmas, and and we're looking back in the Old Testament at the the names of God. We're looking back in the names of God because names are really important. Names really describe, they tell us, you know, who God really is. And I'm telling you, there's really a lot, there's a lot in a name. In fact, names matter so much that in a lot of uh, business circles, especially in marketing, or so I'm told. <laughs> I read this off the internet. You know, I'm not in the business world, but I got uh, my wife's in the business world, and I do understand a little bit about what it means. That names mean so much that there's there's a thing called branding. Branding is huge. It's become a big buzzword. And for those of you that maybe aren't in the business world, or you don't really care, you don't own your own business, or you're not in that, uh, that particular area of the business, I know you're wondering, so what is exactly branding? I'm so glad you asked. And so I got this straight off the internet, so I know it's true. According to the experts, branding involves the conceptual formation of perspectives that reach beyond mere nomenclature and to, to the heart and the identity of that which has been branded. I read stuff and just laugh. I think, what do you? you need to rebrand yourself? I don't know what that exactly what that means. So, what does it mean? Let's see if we can kind of break this down. Maybe it'll help us a little bit. If I said Apple, the company, the corporation, not the fruit. If I said Apple, you would probably associate that name with a particular value. If I said Starbucks. Once again, with that company, you would probably attach, associate a value with that particular name. If I said Starbucks, you would say five bucks, right? Say, I'm a little funny, value. Anyway, there you go. Um, Because businesses aim to sell us their products, uh, they focus heavily on linking a positive association with their name, uh, with their product. With their brand now, if you're a rookie to this whole thing, you know you're brand new to business. Doesn't really mean a whole lot to you. You're probably thinking, you know what, you know, it's just designing a fancy logo. That's all it is. Branding is really just about designing a fancy logo. It's about having a, a tagline. It's it's determining what colors would look really really good on your printed material or on your website. If you were a rookie, that's what you would think. However, if you are a professional, if you really understand branding, you, you know that there's a lot more to it than that. You know that the greatest logo, the catchiest tagline, the most brilliant colors will do absolutely nothing if the product doesn't deliver It doesn't matter what the tagline is. It doesn't matter what the colors are. It doesn't matter what your logo might be. None of that matters if the product doesn't match the brand. One best-selling author said it like this, and I think this is the best definition. He said, by definition, brand is whatever the consumer thinks of when he or she thinks or hears your company's name. See, names matter. Names do matter. Names matter in the business world. Names matter. God's names matter. God's names matter because there's a set of character qualities. There's there's promises that are attached to his brand. Their meaning, there's power attached to his name or to his brand. God wants us to know who he is. I think that's huge. I think it's powerful. I think it's life changing. If you can process that and get that in your mind, That the God, the creator of the universe, I mean, look up into the stars and gaze and think about how big space is and realize that the God that created all that wants to be in a personal relationship with you. He wants you to know who he is. So typically in Scripture, when God reveals himself to someone, he ties the name Jehovah to another name. He takes the name Jehovah and he ties that to another name. So the name Jehovah, here's what it means. It means the unchanging, eternal, self-existent God. And it means the self-revealing one. And so the self-revealing one, Jehovah, will attach another name. It's called a, 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 a compound connection. That's what it's called. Aren't you glad I told you? Some of you need to write that down. You're taking notes, right? You don't want to miss that. A compound connection, a word Jehovah is attached to another word to describe for us who God really is. Jehovah-Jireh is is one of those compound connections. Here's what it means. The Lord will provide. That's that's what it means. This self-existing, self-sustaining God. Now, if you buy the first part of that, then the the provision part's easy, right? So if you believe that there's a God, that he exists, and that he exists all on his own, that he doesn't need anything outside of himself to exist. We need things outside of ourselves. In fact, we wouldn't be here if there weren't a mom and a dad. Hello? Y'all tracking with me? I didn't go over anybody's head with that one, did I? If I did, bless your heart. We need more than just parents who've existed before us to exist. We also need oxygen, and and we need food, and we need water. We need those things in order for us to exist. But God doesn't need anything outside of himself to exist. And if you believe that, then it's easy to believe that Jehovah Jireh can provide, right? So the question really isn't whether he can provide if you believe that he's Jehovah. The question really is, will he provide? Will he provide? Does God really live up to his brand? Does God really deliver? I think the book of Genesis, there's lots of books, and there's lots of places that we could go, but the book of Genesis provides the background, at least for me, for the legitimacy of his brand, Jehovah Jireh. Let me give you the story. Let me give you the background. Uh, God made this incredible promise to this sweet little couple, this sweet little couple named Abram and Sarai. That obviously is Abraham and Sarah. So he makes this this incredible promise. Now, if you were like a name it and claim it guy, if you were all about uh, that God's going to make you rich, this is your go-to passage. You know what I'm saying? Because God looks at this couple and he says, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to make you the father and the mother of many Nations, You're going to have so many descendants that they're going to number more than the sand on the seashore, more than there are stars in the sky. And if you wonder, like, you know, in today's terms, what does that mean? In other words, you were going to be somebody. Thousands of years from now, when people are looking back on history, and they see everything that is, they'll go back to you And the promise that God made to you that you're going to be famous. Your name is going to matter. That's a pretty sweet promise, wouldn't you agree? Like if you're into the health and wealth kind of stuff. Come on, if you're not, it's a pretty good promise. This means yes. This means no. It's not a trick question. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. But when God didn't immediately do what he promised to do, over time, Abraham and Sarah decided, mm, you know, and maybe, maybe God like God will provide, but maybe he's going to provide in a different way than we thought. And so maybe rather than it being our son, maybe it'll be through another son. And so they decided to provide for themselves what God had not provided for them. You with me? Well, let's jump in and let's look at their story. Genesis 16. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, and she had had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, "The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go sleep with my servant." Y'all out there? Because this is where, like, if you're me, you just want to read back. You want to read over this really quick. You know what? Hello, y'all there. <laughs> Go sleep with my servant. And perhaps I can have children through her. This is crazy, isn't it? I mean, If you're brand new to church, you're thinking, dude, I, I'm starting to go to church. You know? I mean, there's some good stuff in the Bible, you know? And, and then I think the next part of that verse is really, really funny. It says, it says that Abram agreed. And if you're a man, you want to smile right now. Yes, you do. Don't you look at me like that. You're scared because you're sitting beside your wife. But you want to, you want to smile just a little bit, don't you? You want to think, I reckon he did. <laughs> and if you're a man, you're thinking, we're, we're going to start a Bible study in our house. And we're going to Genesis. <clears throat> So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as his wife. How? As his wife. Oh, I get it. It's going to legitimize everything. It's okay. They're not having sex outside of marriage. You're going to get married. He's already married. I know y'all are high 11 o'clock people, but this is crazy, isn't it? Stuff's in the Bible. This happened 10 years after Abram settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew that she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress Sarai with contempt, And you know what? You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to be a psychologist or a psychiatrist to look at this story. I mean, really, if you just take your religious glasses off and just look at the story like it actually reads, then right now you're thinking, you know what? This is not going to go well. I don't know. I mean, I can tell automatically right off the bat, this is not going to go well. In fact, it's really impossible to describe all of the chaos that came out of this one bad decision to provide for yourself what you don't believe, at least, that God has provided for you. So Hagar gave birth to a son, Ishmael. And maybe they're thinking, initially, everything's good in the story. I mean, maybe God, God is a, he's a creative God. I mean, God helps them who help themselves, right? That verse is not in the Bible. Just so if you're thinking, that's not there. <laughs> Somebody just made that up. It's not in the Bible. God doesn't help them who help themselves. That's not a Bible verse. And so maybe what you're thinking is, you know what? They did have a son and maybe God gave them a brain, right? He gave them a brain. He gave them a promise, but maybe he expected them to kind of get, a, to be a part of the program, you know, to kind of, kind of help him only problem is he did deliver and so Sarah at 90 years old gave birth to the child that was promised and his name is Isaac now if you're a mom right now you feel the tension don't you could you imagine there are two mothers one who says, I'm legit. The other one, you're not legit. Well, you may, I may not be legit, but I'm the first one to have the child. Can you hear the argument between the two? Can you imagine the tension between the two? Can you imagine the promise that you're going to be, your name's going to be great? You're going to have many descendants. They'll number more than the sand on the beach, more than the stars in the sky. Here we are centuries later in the descendants of Ishmael, the Palestinians, and the descendants of Isaac, the Jews, are still constantly in conflict with one another. And all this world chaos can be traced back to one couple who maybe with good intentions decided that they would help God out and provide for themselves what God had promised but not delivered on Jehovah Jireh, I mean, is he Jehovah Jireh? We do the same thing every day, don't we? You know what, maybe you're a single girl and you feel like you're a Christian, you love Jesus, you love God, you want a Christian man your biological glock, you feel like it's ticking, and then you start to think and you start to rationalize just a little bit and you think, well, wait a minute, no, wait a minute. I know in the New Testament that it says that, that Jesus came to seek and to save those that were lost. I know that God, God said, leave the 99 and go seek on an all-out search for the one that's lost. And so, God, maybe what your intention was all along was to use me, to use me as a tool of evangelism, as an instrument of your love, to be able to reach out into the sin-filled world that we live in. Can somebody say hallelujah Hallelujah. and find me a man? Maybe not a Christian man. Maybe he's a hottie with the body that I can lead to Jesus. You can't make this up, can you? And so you know what? You begin to compromise and you begin to rationalize and you settle for less than what God had intended because He hasn't delivered. Jehovah Jireh hasn't been been true to his brand. Or maybe it's financially, you're a strong follower of Jesus and you were taught, you were raised to believe in. You were taught to believe that the tithe, come on, y'all help me out, belongs to the... Y'all are so funny. You can't even say it right now, can you? You talk about money on Sunday morning, people. Just fake it. Just for a second, Just fake it for a second. The tithe belongs to the That's right. Somebody say amen. amen. Set you free, won't it? Well, you were taught it, but you never really bought it. You never really understood it at all. You thought it had to do with money. Like, God's hurting this week. He needs a little lunch money, and so I'm going to put a little money in the plate to help him out. You see, you were taught it, but you never really bought it. And so you begin to rationalize and, and you begin to think, I, I'm a young man and I'm a young man with a, with a new family and I've just got married and we've got kids and we've got to provide for the kids and, and they have to have nice clothes. I cannot send my kids to, to school with, with mom jeans. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they, she, they got to have the cool stuff. And so if I send them, I mean, can you imagine the psychological impact on your child if they did not go with the right kind of jeans? I mean, come on, let's, are y'all feeling me? Let's, let's be honest with each other. And they got to have on the right kind of shirt, and they got to have on the underarm or whatever. And so you think, you say, listen, I, I'm, on, I'm doing this for my child. Hallelujah. And then we got to, you know what, if we're going to take them to school, I can't take them in that piece of junk. I mean, Lord have mercy, if I pull up in the school line, in the clunker that I'm driving right now, it'll have an impact. I mean, other kids will make fun of them. They'll say, look at your poor parents. They couldn't afford anything any better than that, and so maybe they'll make fun of. And so there again, just because you are a God-fearing, God-loving parent, you begin to compromise and rationalize just a little bit, and say, "You know what? I will. We'll tithe. We'll tithe one day. We'll tithe one day. Not today. But we got to go through this season, and then they go through high school, and they go through." college and they get to college and then there's more bills and there's things to pay and then long after they're done with college you're still paying college off right and, and so you keep thinking and you keep putting it off or maybe maybe you're one of those people and you're really super spiritual and so maybe you started to read the bible and you started to trace back this whole tithing thing and maybe for you you said you know what i believe it's an old testament principle that a tenth belongs to the lord i like the new testament better because it says 100 percent belongs Some of y'all thinking. Let's go back to the Old Testament, and see. There we go, man. We compromise, and we begin to rationalize, and we try to provide for ourselves what we don't believe, what we don't know that we can trust God to provide for us. Okay, back to the story. You ready? You're thinking. Thank the Lord. Get him off of that. So God did do what He promised He'd do. God provided. Jehovah Jireh, I mean, he was good to his name, you know. He provided, and this would be the best place for the story to end, wouldn't it? I mean, like, okay, I mean, they it was 90 years old. There's a lot of story that I left out. They were young when the promise was made. She hung on until she was 90 at 90 years. Can you imagine, ladies, can you imagine being 90 years old and being pregnant? I'm just saying, you know. And so they go through this whole thing. She finally has the child, and you think the story's over. And then that's when the story takes this weird little twist. Genesis 22 says it like this. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied. Here I am. Take your son, your only son. Yes. Isaac, the son that you love so much. And go to the land of Moriah. Doesn't sound bad, right? Maybe, maybe this is an overnight camping trip. Maybe it's a father's son time to bond and to get together. And, and maybe the father's going to teach his, his son some really cool camping stuff. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt, burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. And does anybody want to raise their hand and go, what? <laughs> like... I mean, if you're brand new to the story, I know that when the first time I read this, my thought was this, Holy Spirit, I know that you told Moses to write more than that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because there should have been more in the conversation, don't you think? You don't like just look at somebody and say, the son, your only son, the one that you love, oh yeah, by the way, go sacrifice him. It seems like there should be more dialogue. But there's not. Now keep in mind, And certainly the thing to focus on here is the fact that Abraham loved his son. And this is his only son. His son. But he also needed his son. God promised to make Abraham a great nation. He said, man, I'm going to make your name great. And I'm going to give you and Sarah this son. It's going to be this son. From your one and only wife, it's going to be this son from which the, this, this promise is going to flow. But here's the thing. If this child dies without having kids, there's no promise. There's no future. And I don't know if you were here the first week or not, but we said it the first week. There's times when God just doesn't make sense, and this is one of those times. I mean, we're really trying to figure things out, aren't we? We think, wait a minute, this, this contradicts the promise. I mean, is there some, was something lost in the Hebrew translation? I mean, is this actually what God said? Was there more conversation and we were left out? I mean, could this is this possible that this could be right? I bet I know somebody that maybe was raised in church, and I bet I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I know what's happening. I got this. This is easy. God's taking away Isaac as punishment for their sin. I, I, I know what this is. I mean, the, they didn't have enough faith and they didn't believe and so they tried to provide for themselves what God said that he would provide. I know God. God don't put up with that kind of junk and so what they're, they're going to feel the wrath of God. God giveth gives and then he takes away, right? You know what's amazing to me? It's amazing to me the crazy stuff that we can come up with when we don't know God. when we don't know Him we just make stuff up if you read through the entire passage carefully you won't find any record of uh, Abraham telling Sarah what God was asking him to do with Isaac which makes perfect sense to me right (laughs) I mean how do you tell your wife who finally had the baby at 90 sweetheart baby doll Sweet darling pal of mine, I'm going to take our son, our only son, and I'm going to go kill him. I'll be back in a few days. Hope everything works out well for you here at the house. How do you do you do that? I get it. So Abraham finds himself in a huge theological contradiction, doesn't he? Because God's instruction goes against God's promise and the mandate to not kill. I mean, there's nothing about this that makes sense. And now he's got to work out his theology. Wait a minute. Thou shalt not kill. God, that was one of your top ten. That was a big deal. Then we have to honor human life. And, and so now you're telling me to kill my son, my one and only son. And, and God, remember, he's not just like the son that I love, but he's a promised son. A promised son that many nations are going to be birthed from him. God. I don't understand. He's in emotional contradiction with his faith. Now it collides with his affections. Wait a minute. I love God. I want to follow God. Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. Okay, it was late, but you provided. You are Jehovah. you self sustaining God. You're the, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Wait a minute. I love you, but I love my son. He's in a social contradiction. Because he'll never become a great name. He'll just be a nobody. His name won't go down in the pages of Scripture and people thousands of years later won't be talking about the father of faith. And he's in a relational contradiction. because sacrifice in Isaac would create this huge conflict in his marriage. I mean... Let's just be honest. Abraham's up the old creek without a paddle. I've had my share of theological contradictions over the years. Wow. I wrote this. I'm I'm just going to read it to you just like I wrote it. And then maybe I can try to unpack it a little bit. And I've tried to learn that these contradictions are often adverse circumstances that God introduces or allows in order to identify where we are spiritually and to prepare us for where He wants us to go. That's what I wrote. What does it mean? It means that every single struggle that I've dealt with in my life, and I've had those those theological contradictions when I said, God, wait a minute, this is, this is who the Word says that you are, but this is not what I'm experiencing in my life. And there's been those times when I questioned him, God, are you going to provide? Because i got to be honest, you certainly have not shown up. You haven't provided. And you know what? We we didn't make that rent payment, and then we got behind a second month, and now I'm staring at a third month, and I'm behind. I've never been behind on a bill like that in my life. I've, I'm working three jobs, and we can't make ends meet. Where in the world are you? If you're alive, you can't. Escape the theological contradictions of life. It's impossible. Abraham's in the middle of a terrible test. This is really important. I've been preaching on this text for years, never saw it quite this way. He's in a conflict between the blessing and the blesser. That'd be a pretty sweet promise. Be like God looking at you saying, You're gonna be rich. You are gonna win the lottery, the biggest lottery that's ever been known to man. Sweet! I like that promise. And you keep buying lottery tickets, but you keep losing. What if you do win? isn't the temptation to sometimes to hang more onto the blessing than the blesser? To focus more on the gift than the giver? And listen to me carefully. All he wants is to be in a relationship with us. That's what he wants. God doesn't need you for anything. I was able to tell a young guy in ministry that this week he was so sweet and he's so excited and pumped up and looking forward to the future with all the things that he's going to do for Jesus and I said please understand something he doesn't need you he wants you he just wants you you're not going to do it God created the world in six days and you thought what's he need you for he spoke through a jackass in the Old Testament Why are y'all looking at me laughing? He doesn't need you. He wants you. So what's Abraham going to do? Genesis 22. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and he took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for the fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place that God had told him about. On the third day of the journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there and then we will come right back. And if you're you're new to the story, you're going, this is crazy. God's crazy. I mean, God's crazy. I mean, I know you church people get all spiritual, but God's crazy. He gives and then he takes away. And if, you, and if you're not, and if you're one of those people that just invited one of those, like people that's brand new to church, you want to lean over right now. I know I can see it. I can see some of you starting to, your cheeks, I can watch you. You're kind of getting a little bit tense, and you want to lean over and say, it's okay, God's got this. It's okay. I mean, I know he's like leading this on and drawing it out, but it's okay. God's got it. Just, just as, as Abraham takes his, his arm back, and just as he's going to come down and take the life of his son, God stops him. God stops him. It's okay. And then there's a ram in, in the thicket, and he provided, Jehovah-Jireh provides again, and he offers that sacrifice, and Isaac and Abraham go back home to Sarah. So what's the moral of the story? The moral of the story is that you'll only know that God provides if you have need, if you need provision. The moral of the story is that God wants you to know Him. He He doesn't want you to be religious and feel good because you go to church every Sunday. He wants you to know Him, to know Him to know Him in such a way is that when you have those contradictions, and you will, there will be theological contradictions that you will have to face and you'll have to decide, wait a minute, this is crazy. How can God say this over here and then say this and ask me, I mean, where God, who in the world are you? And if you will just, if you will walk with Him, if you will gently and sweetly walk with Him and trust Him, even when there's no trust left in you, if you will just walk and trust, you will find that God will deliver every single, solitary time. I say this a lot lately. I, I feel sorry for those of you that are young. You're, you're, you're young and you don't know when you get older. For those of us that have lived life and we've experienced difficult times and financially when when we couldn't pay the bills and then God shows up and when things happen, you now you can smile. It's alright. God will provide. He'll provide. So let me ask you, what's been your theological contradiction? What's your test? Right now, what's your test? Let me ask you, how are you doing? How are you doing with the test? Do you really know Jehovah Jireh? There's a lot to a name. There's a lot to a name. It's his brand. This is who I am. Do you know who He is? I mean, really? Maybe here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus. Then Jehovah wants to reveal Himself to you. He wants you to know Him. Know Him. He's a relational God who longs to be in a deep, sweet relationship with you. And He provided the way for you to be in that relationship. There's a problem, and if you're brand new to the God thing, you feel the problem, don't you? You feel the tension. That thing called sin, and you know it's there. And you know that God is sinless. Even if you don't know God very well, you have that concept probably. And and so you want to try to work your way to God. You're trying to be better and do better, but you can't be better. and You can't do better. You've tried and you've miserably failed here's what I want you to know that God so loves you that he said I'm willing to fix the problem and that's exactly what he did and he sent himself he didn't just send an angel he sent himself and God came to earth and that was his son Jesus and what Jesus did was lived a sinless perfect life and then get this he said I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to do what you can't do for yourself I'm going to die I'm going to pay the penalty for your sin all because I want to be in a relationship with you I don't need you I'm I'm a self-sustaining God I don't need anything to exist but I want to be in a relationship with you and I'm going to provide the way and that's exactly what he did and on the third day, after Jesus died, was nailed to a cross and shed his blood for our sins. Three days later, he was raised from the dead and he's alive. It's, it's a wild story. But would you expect anything any different? Even from what we've looked at this morning, the Bible is filled with this kind of stuff. It's the power of the resurrection. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, and this morning, you know what? You've kind of processed this, and God's just shown up. And you're just like, wow. And If you're ready... To surrender your life. To give up control and let Jesus be Jesus. then every head's bowed and every eye's closed. No one's looking around. If you're not a follower of Jesus, if you'd like to be. Then maybe you'd pray a prayer something like this. Just quietly and silently right there in your seat. Maybe you'd just say, God, thank you for providing a sacrifice for my sin. And thank you that you were willing to die on the cross. Shed your blood. To pay for something I should have to pay for. I'm guilty. Thank you. And I do believe that you're alive. I can can feel your presence right now. I, I know you're alive. So I'm just asking you to forgive me of my sin. I'm asking that you be my Savior. And from this moment on, to the best of my ability, I just want to follow you, Lord. I thank you that you uh, long to be in a relationship with us, and God, you want us to know who you are. You want us to know so much, God, that you that you help us. You yourself tell us who you are. You do it through your names. Lord, I know personally, I've seen it happen personally uh, with Karen and I, Lord, how many times you provided. God, I've seen you do it in the life of this church, Lord, when you have provided. At times, God, quite honestly, we, we did start to wonder, but you've always come through. So Lord we want to tell you that we love you and I pray God I pray that you know during this 25 days of Christmas God every single day as we go out into this community that we can that we can just be a reflection of you the God that provides and you do it just because you love us thank you and it's in your sweet name that we pray